Welcome to the Mashie Niblick Podcast, presented by Tulare Golf Course in Tulare, California. Hosted by Director of Golf, Robert Nava. Co-hosted by Stefan Wilbur, Master Club Builder and Club Fitter. This podcast is for anyone who loves the sport of golf, the golf industry, or anything else golf-related. We will discuss the latest news, trends, and any other golf topics we find in the wild. All right, so it's um, July 20, what, 26th? 26th today. We just watched the U.S. Open. Or not the U.S. Okay. Open, sorry, the Open. The Open. The 150th. Yeah. No, it's not British, because what if they play in Scotland, even though it was called the British Open for 80 yeah. years out of their 150, or 100 years out of their 150? We're the bad guys for calling it the British Open. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we're not golf purists. We don't know what we're talking about. Yeah, that was in which one of the videos I watched when they were over there playing. He said, the British Open. He's like, no, no, no. Mm-hmm. It's in Scotland. Yeah, and I get it. I, I, I understand the argument. I just think it's funny that people get so... There's such a big backlash about... Rah, this is that. It's like, no, dude. I mean, like, it's, a, it's an easy mistake. Like, again... 80, 90, 100 years of calling it the British Open. Yeah. Kind of got to give us a little slack. Um, but obviously the Camerons had a ridiculous Sunday. Oh, and yeah. Rory missed another one. Yeah, that's uh, been uh, a common trend lately for Rory. Super close always, but, you know, he's playing good enough. He's going to get a few more wins here. Yeah, yeah. but... I'm not sure about majors, but... Well, that's that's the yeah. question, right? Because that's all any anybody at Rory's level is only graded by majors, right? At least yes. that's my opinion. Yes. It's just like an NFL quarterback; they're only graded by Super Bowls. If you have a Super Bowl, you're an elite quarterback. I don't care how if you throw for six thousand yards ten years in a row, no Super Bowl, you were a game manager. Yeah, you won't be remembered. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, well, I guess there's a couple guys that that exceed that, like a Dan Marino. He's still remembered, oh, yeah. but he, you know. Uh, yeah, Dan Marino, Jim Kelly. Oh. But they both had appearances. Oh, so yeah, maybe that's what the separation <laughs> is, yeah. But anyway, we're a golf show, so let's talk about golf. So Rory, in my opinion, played not to lose, and both Camerons, Cameron Smith and Cameron Young, played to win it. They yeah, were they both were going after it. Yeah. Um, so is that... Rory's fault? Do you think that's... I mean, we don't know because we don't know the guys, but Rory's fault, the caddy's fault, uh, scar tissue from a lot of losses in the past for Rory? Uh, like, I would I would say a little bit of scar tissue. You know, the pressure is on him. He had a lot of pressure on him. Everyone was expecting him to push a little bit more, and there's a lot of pressure on him, you know? Maybe he just... Maybe he cracked, and, you know, it was a major, and, you know, he said he's graded on his majors, so... Mm. There's a lot of pressure on him, and I think he did try to play it safe just to yeah. secure the win, you know. But obviously, wasn't the case. The Camerons uh, killed it out there, and yeah. the final round sixty four is unheard of. So I don't think Rory cracked. I just don't think he did anything. So okay. if you if you turn in a B plus paper, that's still a good paper. Unfortunately, the Camerons turned in A's and A pluses because, as you said. Yeah. A final round 64 and a second round 64 are pretty big rounds in any tournament, let alone a major, at the most historic course on the planet. So that that shows that Cameron Smith is built for competition. Yeah, and he's he's shown that uh, a few times this season. He's won, mm-hmm. you know, he's won or been close, you know, kind of in Rory, but you know, someone had to come out on top, and they're both playing great right now. Yeah, and uh, you know, Smith definitely took it. Yeah, so there was obviously both of them put on putting clinics oh, yeah. in some of the the toughest putting conditions in the world. Yeah, so, I think Cameron Smith said, you know, he's like, the only difference between today and yesterday was my putts were dropping. Yeah, yeah so that's that's crazy. We talk about things like on the amateur level, it's very unlikely you or I will ever consistently hit 310, 320, 330 off our drive. We're not built that way. Uh, We don't train that way. But we could consistently hit 10-foot putts and 15-foot putts at PGA level if we practiced. 
And, you know, I just hit a couple balls in our simulation room and I didn't warm up real well. So my back's real tight right now. That's one of the reasons I can't go out there and swing driver for a large bucket, just grooving my top end speed. I just don't have the physicality for it. I'm sure, yes, there's ways to train and there's ways to take care of your body that we all have access to so that you can do that. We, uh, we do the um, speed stick golf here yeah. and we train that here. So if you want to pick up speed, there are methods and ways to do it in a healthy way that are less likely to hurt you. But I am more likely to be able to hit a large bucket with my 60 at 30 yards than I am a large bucket with my driver. Yeah, I mean, like you said, golf is physical. I mean, <laughs> all of us get injuries, even tour players get injuries, you know, and it comes down to the training. I mean, these guys do it day in, day out, you know, and they're training to do it for four days straight on the tour, you know. It's just, yeah, you know, and I'm in no shape, like, to be able to do that right now. Four days in a row would kill me. Right. Uh, aside from the fact that, I mean... We just financially couldn't do it just because it takes time off of work and takes time away from the family. There's a yeah. lot of reasons that we... It's not my job. Yeah, right it's not, now. that's great. That's yeah. exactly right. It's not our job to do that. You know, I was watching the um, Good Good... No, sorry. The Rick Shields podcast with the Good Good guys on it. Grant and Garrett were on it. And they were talking about... Because Rick asked them, you guys ever going to go pro? And they literally talked about the fact that Micah, on top of all the Good Good stuff he does, is training five to eight hours every day purely on his, his golf has nothing to do with the videos he's doing has nothing to do with the, the work he does at good, good. He's literally, he's essentially got two full-time jobs. Yeah. He's putting in the work for sure. Yeah. So he's young. He can pull that off. He's young and he's in shape, so he can pull that off. Um, but I guess we go back to the, the conversation with the open and the, and the guys putting those guys are on a putting green what do you think? A minimum of two hours, three hours a day, just putting alone. Yeah, especially in those conditions, you know. Yeah. Open conditions are always tougher than, you know, regular uh, tour events. Yeah. So. Uh, and they don't even think, of, they don't really talk about it a lot. The, maybe because it's just inside baseball or behind the ropes kind of stuff. But they don't talk about the fact that you have to relearn how to putt every time you're on a new surface. Every time there's a new type of grass you're putting on, it behaves differently. Yeah, Bermuda, Bent, or Poa. I mean, I'm not sure what they have over there, but like I said, you know, some of them, a lot of those players, they're playing for the first time at St. Andrews. A lot of them don't have Lynx golf experiences, you know, with the big fairways, the huge greens with as many humps as they do. They had, I'm pretty sure, they did a lot of putting practice. Yeah. And, you know, I guess, you know, on the fourth day, you know, Smith, uh, Figured it out. Figured it out. Yeah, he got the he got the most practice made. He absolutely found something. There's no question about that. And then Cameron Young, not someone I have any familiarity with, going up and just swinging for the fences on 18, trying his damnedest to force a playoff, and then dropping this gorgeous putt to force Cameron Smith to not make a mistake. I mean, there could have been a three-way playoff had Rory been a little bit more successful on 18. There could have been a two-way playoff if Cameron Smith missed his, uh, his what do you have, two putts, right? Two putts to win? Uh, yeah, he had two putts. So he, well, he had... He ended up... Did he birdie? Yeah, he birdied. He birdied, right. Yeah, so yeah, he, so he had a like a 20-footer or something because he drove the green. Yep. Had like a 20-footer was close but you know what whatever that was a four foot circle three foot circle that he made it and then it he had the putt to win and and if he missed that putt the three footer he would have gone into a playoff but that's entirely because Cameron Young pushed and fought and yeah. we talked about it he what it was what did we decide it was something like 50 500,000 that he took out of Rory's pocket by kicking oh, him yeah. out of solo second yeah um, you know. or T for two Rory's probably set, but, you know. Yeah, Rory's not was... hurting for the cash, for sure. Oh, but, you know, that mattered a lot for Young. <laughs> yeah, no, that changed his life, I would assume. Yeah, that's a, that's a pretty big purse there, you know. Yeah, so great golf, a great venue, great event. You know, it's one of the highlights of the year. It's obviously a major. Um, European golf is just different. They just do things differently, and it, it's fun to see. It's fun to see guys that 
have to plan and think a little bit more versus the PGA golf that um, is just big bombers a lot of the time. Big bombers, they miss the fairway, but the rough is, you know, some people, I, I don't know for sure because I haven't been to a PGA event and watched, but some people say the rough at a PGA event is like our fairways, you know, at a Muni. You know, so there's no punishment for missing. So you got a guy like Bryson or a guy like Finau who just won the other PGA event, yeah. just smashing the ball, 380, 390 on a consistent basis, and not really being punished for missing. Um, so that's what I love about European golf, whether it be DP World Tour or some of the majors or WGC. Anytime they're over there, um, it's a different kind of golf. Yeah, and then, you know, the Ryder Cup comes to mind when they do that. You know, they get to pick their home courses and... Uh... What that was the last time that Europe won a couple of years ago when they had it in in, in Europe they uh, definitely chose that shorter punish yeah. punishment and you know they took it home relatively short course right yeah. less than seven thousand yards should in by numbers should be easy for the Americans to eat it up because those par, a lot of those par fours were drivable for the mm-hmm. guys but you miss that green on a drivable par four and you're lucky to get it back on the green because there's so much trouble. It's interesting you bring up the Ryder Cup because that kind of transitions us, us to the lion's share of this conversation. Uh, Live Golf, yeah. huge splash this year. And immediately after the Open, Henrik Stenson announced he's going to play Live. Mm-hmm. Shortly after that announcement, he was removed as a Ryder Cup captain. Um, so the PGA and most of the other golf organizations are starting to be super punitive to anybody involved in live. Uh, firstly, what do you think about the live tour and what do you think about the treatment for, as far as I know, a super upstanding, well-loved player like Henrik Stenson being punished? Yeah. You know, um, I see the draw to live golf. It's honest, well, basically given money, you know, to to players who, if they didn't make the cut, would make zero money. You know, it's just guaranteed money, and it's there's a huge draw to that. You know, there's no cut line. There's bonuses everywhere. A larger pool of cash coming in, you know, even though, the big backsplash is the Saudi funded money. You know, everybody hears that, but the punishment on Henson was like undeserved, you know, honestly, he's probably at the tail end of his career and he's, he has an opportunity to make way more money than he would have made on the tour, you know, signing with live golf. And, you know, he's just like guaranteed. He can kind of like DJ said, he can retire in a couple of years. Yeah, so DJ, Henrik, some of these other guys that are playing over there, they're at the back end. And they are they are high-end players still. Yes. But they're not consistently top 10, top 5 players anymore. They're top 20 players. Mm-hmm. So they're not the player that is going to go to a tournament typically and leave with $0 or leave in the hole. Because they're more often than not going to make the cut even on a bad day. Yeah. But the very first live event, you have a kid who I'm not even, I can't remember his name offhand, shoots plus 24 and walks away with half a million dollars, give or take, because there's a guaranteed purse, whatever that Mm -hmm. was, 180,000 or something like that. Yeah, I think his team won. 125,000. Okay, 125,000. Yeah. His team won, so he got a portion of the team purse, which I think was a quarter mil. I I think, yeah, the the total team purse on the, the London event was 5 million. So they they got a good good chunk of that. Yeah, that's crazy. So he walked away with life changing money. Yeah. So that may fund his golf career, his passion for another year, possibly two, if he's you know depending on what he's doing. So I understand why that golfer is doing everything they can to get into the live events. Yeah. You've got a guy like Phil who feeds off the drama, feeds off the social media. Mm-hmm. Um, feeds off of um, almost being a pariah at times. Yeah. Um, so I understand why he goes to live. Um, but your guy like a Kepka, 
who is more or less still in the prime of his career, or some of the other guys that are are still looked at to be winners on a consistent basis. I don't understand. I do understand, but I I I I guess what I'm trying to say is I understand why people are mad at that guy because they look at that guy like he's a money grubbing mm-hmm. a hole versus a Stenson who's just trying to make enough money so he can retire, and this other kid who's just trying to make money playing golf because he's passionate. Those guys are a little bit more forgiven. The guy in the middle, like a Kepka or a, um, I guess DJ's not not nearly as old as uh, a Mickelson or a, um, a Stenson. So those two guys, yeah. they look at them like they're, they're money grubbers. And just like you said, they go, the money you're grubbing is Saudi money. Those guys are bad. They, you know, they kill journalists and they do this and they do that. Um, that's tough. I, I don't, I don't know how to, I don't know how to communicate. We make exceptions to Saudi money all the time. Yeah. So yeah. why is live golf such a big deal? Like the, the WTA and the um, women's and men's tennis play in Dubai all the time. Yeah. They make money out there. There's multiple um, tournaments out there, whether it's Qatar, Saudi, whatever. So there's multiple international events that are held in China. No one says anything. That are held in in the Middle East. No one says anything. But the Saudi-backed Live Tour, which is ran by Greg Norman, a non-Saudi, mm-hmm. they are the the evil of they are the greed of money personified. Yeah, I don't understand why. You know, well, you know, Saudi. Saudi Arabia is obviously a very wealthy country and they have the money to give. And I think it's, it's just an inve- investment opportunity for them to do so. I don't think it's more the live golf does not represent, you know, Saudi Arabia. Right. Uh, you know, that's just where. So what? It's kind of, one event in Saudi and that's it, right? Yeah, I think so. I think they're playing what, eight events a year. Eight events this year. They're their inaugural yeah. year. Um, one the inaugural event was London. Then they did Oregon. Mm-hmm. Um, the one that's coming up this week is where? Oh, I don't. I don't even know. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, so, again, it's not like they're. It, it, it's it's not like it's all based in the Middle East or even based yeah. in Saudi. It's it's an international tour. Um, and I, for me, I think anything that promotes golf and advances golf as a person who gets paid by the golf industry is a good thing. Like I love golf for a lot of reasons. And I think if we're going to advance golf by creating a progressive league, that's trying new things like shotgun start, no cut, all that's, I mean, that's to me, that's cool stuff. And I don't understand the pushback. Yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm not fully understanding it as well. You know, I think the PJ's tour, Tour is just trying to protect itself because it's going to lose money to another tour. But if they would have backed it to begin with, where we would have been at, you know, I mean, yeah. well, well, no, no punishment, yeah. you know, because I think the PJ Tour can look bad based on what they're doing and saying and making statements, banning yeah. players from play. You know, it doesn't look good on the PGA Tour. It looks pretty petty. Yeah, I would describe it as elites throwing a tantrum is how I would describe it. Yeah, it's definitely so. I just I don't think those players who have done so much for the PGA Tour deserve that. Yeah, I mean, they were perfectly happy to use DJ's face when he was world number one, use Phil's face. They were perfectly happy to push the, the um, rivalry between Phil and Tiger to their own means. But now that Phil's trying to kind of reach outside he's again a pariah he's the devil he he's always been a poor sport all of a sudden he's a bad sport all of a sudden he's he's uh he's negative and i don't think that's okay and i view it as again elites throwing a tantrum but the other way i see it as far as a business person i see it just like kodak saying digital will never be a thing the world will always be filmed photography will always be filmed and they die ibm oh we are the world of computers. We own the computer space. Microsoft is, look at Microsoft. They're, they're using our software. We power Microsoft. So we're the, we're the ones. And then for a period of time, Microsoft said, oh, we're, we're the big guys. We're the most important guys. You know, and Apple was just a, you know, 
yeah. a computer in the back of the the computer shop, and you know they had one guy that understood it, but you know Steve Jobs comes out, does his thing, and and makes it the product to have by building this yeah. ecosystem. So for a while there, Microsoft started losing market share. If you don't grow, if you don't see your competition as a healthy excuse to get better, you're going to get ran over. Yeah. And I think with the PGA, because they, they've already admitted they can't keep up with Saudi's money. Yeah. They've already flat out admitted, if this is a question of who's got the most money, we will lose tomorrow. They've yeah. said it. Why not buddy-buddy with them? Why not get up with them and say, hey, let's do a joint event, you know, or let's do this, or, let you know. You can't stop a freight train if you're, if you're, you know, a guy on a train track. And yeah, that's what you, they are. You, you kind of got to look at what's, what's the draw is to make people go to the, to the live tour, you know, the guaranteed money, the cut lines. And, you know, what, why are they being successful with getting players over to there and, you know, maybe adopt some of those, uh, you know, purses, types of play, you know, players always com- complain about six hours to play around. It's, you know, shotgun start will definitely help that. You know, yeah. What it, the trying to London, finish before. London event was five hours, five and a half. Yeah, I mean, which is pretty good for a PGA tour. Yeah, yeah. And you're looking at with a PGA event. Let's say you're a mid morning or a late afternoon start. You're on the the premises two hours, three hours before you're around to get warmed up and to get involved. And then most of those guys are on the at the practice grounds two or three hours after the event working on whatever wasn't working right while you were playing. So it's a full day job. Yeah. You know, the, the, it looks like the live tour kind of took a page out of the um, Phoenix open, the waste management event. They have concerts at night because you start, everybody starts in the morning. Everybody's finished by one. Let's say you have one till whenever to make the event, make that ticket that that customer bought worth it. So they have, concerts and they have um, uh, pop-ups and all kinds of fun stores and all kinds of unique things that they're doing meet and greets and stuff like that you know that's what a modern customer is going to want yeah definitely so I you mean, know pj's you say and get one to describe it as old school you know traditionalist elitist yeah. you know it's it's a uh, there's a few events that have uh that have changed that, like you say, the Phoenix Open. And I think Greg Norman's paying attention to what makes money. And let's say Saudi said, is this going to make us money? And they invested in it. So, Yeah, I mean, like you said, they have all the money in the world. So I don't think they're too worried about making money this year or next year. Oh, but yeah, it's an investment. That's the right word for it. They're yeah. looking long term. So they're thinking in their head, okay, you know, I'm just going to pretend I know what they're thinking anyway. They're thinking eight events this year, 10 events the next year, maybe 12 events the next year. We're going to slowly grow this. We're going to go to courses that are going to be happy to have us. They're not PGA courses. Um, they don't host big events and make a ton of money. That Portland course that they – was it Portland? Yeah. The that Portland, was the first event played there, right? The or, first event that – the first professional event yeah. that had been played there in a decade. Um, they'd hosted an LPGA event. Um, they had hosted a senior event. 15 or some odd years ago, and they had hosted a couple um, big college events, whether it was the actual NCAA championship or conference stuff. So it's obviously a very good course that knows how to host events. Um, But the live guys took it to the next level. So I would be really amazed if in the not-too-distant future, courses are begging live to come through, whether it be... You know, probably not a TPC course, just because they're association with the PGA. But you know, maybe something that's a little bit bigger and and um, I'm trying to think like a big country club, maybe like a Oakmont or something like that. That is is not PGA specific. Yeah. Um, but again, now you got to talk about if Oakmont, which is on the open rotation, were to host a live event. Would the PGA be petty and say, you're not hosting a PGA event anymore or you're off the rotation? At this rate, that's what it's going to be sound, sounds like, you know. It's probably going to happen. Yeah. And, and so far, business, they hasn't stepped on their toes. Right. And 
you know, that, like I said, it's a, I want to say smaller course, but it's not as well of known course, you know, but, uh, as a business, do you just decide who's giving Are Are you as the course, as a business making the exact same decision a golfer's making and saying, well, live is going to pay me X dollars. You only paid me X dollars. I'm going to see the live event every year. I see you every five or six years, whatever the rotation is. So financially, we're just fin- gonna... financially it makes sense for for the, these courses to do it. I mean, it's getting them, you know, publicity, getting their name out there. It brings in money to the course. You know, they get to do some maybe some renovations that right. they didn't have the opportunity opportunity to do before. You know, there it's just as a business standpoint, live golf so far is going to be good for these uh, lesser known courses. Yeah, and again, for me, as someone that is interested in possibly going to a pro event, um, I've been to obviously multiple pro sports. The most fun I've ever had is going to a professional tennis event. Um, I used to go to the Indian Wells uh, Tennis Garden every year with my son, and they have a very similar feel to what I understand Liv is doing. They have a tent city with all kinds of merchants and stuff like that, and you can go hit you play tennis and there's a bunch of different things you get to do that's really cool aside from watching the tennis and it sounds like that's what Liv is trying to do so hearing that and I think for me just because I, I might be a little old or a little conservative waste management's too much it seems a little out of control yeah what, what was what's that hole is it 17th hole 16th I think no oh, you're right it is the 17th, 17th. yeah uh, three. you know all the beers going on to yeah. the thing that may be a little much, and it's probably pretty distracting to get it all cleaned up yeah. and, you know, for the next player just to play. It's Yeah, I, I get that. Like, I understand being excited that you just witnessed a hole-in-one at, at an event, for sure. But to kind of propagate or push that kind of celebration as the norm, I, I don't agree with it. Let them have fun. Whatever, do your thing. I'm. It's obviously working for them. They are the most attended golf event in the world, so something's working. Yeah, even non golfers go there to party. You yeah, know? <laughs> yeah. So great. You you do your thing. I'm just not going to be. I'm not going to be involved. But I would love to go. Like uh, our general manager Brett goes to the um, pro am at yeah. Pebble on a regular basis, almost every year. Um, I would love to go to an event like that. Either the one at in Tahoe at Edgewood. Or the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. Either one would be so much fun. Um, so I want to be, you know, I want to go have fun and be involved in that. Um, but at this point, those tickets are more expensive than the live event that was at Oregon. Yeah. As far as a daily ticket. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's a draw to get more people to the events, you know. It's, yeah. like I say, growing the sport. It's, uh, it makes me want to go. Yeah, I mean. Yeah, I've and, never, I've, like I said, I've never been, but... I would like to. Yeah. I don't have a little one anymore. Mine, he's 20. He's in the Marine Corps. He doesn't live with me. But you have little ones. Yeah. And you have to factor in, either I have to go by myself and find a way for someone to take care of the kids, or I have to bring the whole family. Yeah. And the difference in 20 or $30 a ticket times five, well, they wouldn't charge your baby. So let's say four. So $30 times, that's $120 difference in tickets. Yeah. Which... That $120 is the money you can spend towards food or memorabilia or anything else. So the amount of money you spend on your whole day versus the amount of money you spend on just tickets. Yeah, the Pro-Am, I'm probably going by myself with a friend who bought his own ticket. <laughs> but <laughs> Right, right. <laughs> you right. know, if if I'm taking the family, you know, it's, it's obviously a financial decision to, to go, you know, it's a... And then again, you know, if I want my kids to get into it, you know, I have to expose them to it, and it's right. going to be a lot easier to do so. You know, I could take my son and my daughter, and if I want them to get into golf, they might like look at that and like it. And you know, well, we see it every day, right? Every time we watch a tournament, we see some pro going up to a child of some sort, mm-hmm. signing a hat, signing a glove, signing a ball. That might be the best day in that child's year. Yeah, and then they attached to that pro like that pro is now my favorite pro because they came and they signed my hat Mm -hmm. so daddy let's watch you know ricky someone's like no ricky's not doing good today you know but no i love ricky he's so awesome remember that time yeah 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 i remember that time you know that kind of brings up a point on the live tour i don't know i've been just watching on youtube and the coverage of it is so much better i can see 
so many more players playing hole by hole. You know, the coverage is fantastic. And I'm doing it on YouTube. Yeah. Whereas PGA is exclusive to a, uh, what, in NBC, mm-hmm. ESPN, sometimes. Yeah, they're on Peacock and Golf Channel and NBC. and. Yeah, those are all specific, you know. Mm-hmm. I can... I just enjoy, you know, yeah. just having the availability to me. Well, they just said uh, uh, Faldo is going to go, right? Faldo's going to oh, go on yes, Live yes. as a commentator. I heard a rumor that Charles Barkley might be a commentator for yeah, Live. Yeah, I was, I was reading about that earlier today, and, you know, he said it would cost so much money. He actually gave himself a price because he said he wasn't going to go before, mm-hmm. and he might have got that price, so we'll see what happens. Again, Saudi money. If you yeah. put out a, a dollar amount, if Chuck goes, all right, it's going to cost you 60 mil, and they go, beep, 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 beep. yep, math, good, here's 60. That, again. The Charles PG- Barkley's a huge name. He's a huge name. He's hilarious. He's good at his job. Oh, yeah. And he's a golfer. It's not like he, I know he's a basketball player. Yeah, but he golfs on a regular basis. Like, yes. It's a passion of his. So it's not like he's completely uninformed going out there talking about golf. Yeah. He's got a very unique humor. I think he's hilarious. So you, you've got outstanding coverage already, mm-hmm. which I think surpasses PGA coverage. Um, it's hard to find, but Sky Sports, I think, does the best golf coverage. It's a European uh, channel. Um, you, some of the coverage we saw for the Open was just a feed directly from Sky. Okay. Um, they do a great job. Uh, so that's another thing. Like the PGA, okay, I've got Sir Nick Faldo. I've got you know, um, Chambly or these other big names, like, we're golf, we're serious. It's kind of like Titleist, like, we're the brand for golfers. You're a great brand for sure, don't get me wrong, but when you say we're the brand for golfers, you automatically cut off the fringes, the outside. Mm-hmm. You cut off that 40% of people are that aren't golfers, they just golf. So when you say, like, oh, Sir Nick Faldo or any of these other guys that are big names, it doesn't mean anything to someone that doesn't watch golf 24-7. You know what I mean? Or these younger guys. Yeah. Faldo's amazing. Don't get me wrong. But he was a player, what, 20 years ago now? It's been quite a while. Yeah. You know, I think he played was he played against Tiger when he first started, so it's got to be early 2000s. Yeah. So you don't have... It's like, if you look at modern NFL coverage right now, you recognize most of, like, Tony Romo or... or um, uh, Sharp or any of these other guys that were recent players. Like, I can remember watching them. I can remember them watching them play. Um, because a guy like John Madden was so amazing at his job, I learned why he got the job. I learned that he was a great coach in the 80s. But he didn't mean anything to me. I didn't know anything about him. I wasn't a Raider fan. Yeah, I'm a Raider fan, but, you know, I, you don't know who he is growing up and you know his video games obviously right <laughs> right but the video games came, came after the monday night job right yes something did. like that yeah so he was, he's been doing that forever yeah so so you look at the golf side of this and you've got guys like faldo guys like um hell i can't even remember the other the other golf names uh out there commentating and you're like who is this guy who is this guy whereas you watched uh the live events it didn't matter who those guys were. I didn't know any of them. But immediately I was like, oh, that guy's pretty funny. Or that guy's got a good charisma to him. Yeah. He wasn't dry. They're not dry and, and here's the facts or just the facts, man. You know, it's there's some fun conversation. There's some uh, give and take between the personalities that are on screen. And again, like you said, it's YouTube. It's not even like it's, yeah. it's not this massive, you know, 50 camera production. And they... Do you think the shotgun helped? Yeah. Well, we, all the players are on the course at, at one time. You know, they limit the field so they can do that. They, You know, I don't... If they get more than 48 players now, how is it going to affect everything? But, you know, will those people not get guaranteed money? Or the younger guys or mm-hmm. the littler guy? Yeah. So you have 18 holes. You can put up to four players a hole. So you're looking at... Potential field of 144 shotgunning. We do that here all the time. Yeah, that might be the inaugural uh, type. But type I feel play. like that's a six or seven hour round now instead of what they're doing at that, that whatever it is, 48, 50, 60, whatever their, their number's going to be where you put two or three persons per hole, keep the pace of play up, 
Because the advantage to the shotgun start is I can literally sit there and watch every single golfer play if I've got that kind of time. In, in a day. Shorter, shorter period of time. Yeah. yeah. I can dedicate, I mean, what's your average baseball game? Four hours? Yeah, three, four hours. Yeah. And people sit in front of that and watch every single pitch. It's not impossible to do that. Not everybody has that kind of time in their day. Plus, they, they chop a round off, right? It's not four yeah. rounds, it's three rounds. Yeah, oh yeah. And one less day. One less day, yeah. So you get potentially more high-end golf because your golfer isn't having to stay focused for four straight days. Yeah. It's three days. Mentally and physically exhausting, you know? Yep. I don't know. I think Tiger might benefit from that, you know? It's like the shorter rounds, you know, he's he's, he's getting tired after two, so yeah. give him three, you know? he's I know he's been bad-mouthing. I don't say bad-mouthing. He's just—he's a traditionalist, just like Rory, just yeah. like the other guys. PJ Tour did a lot for him. He's made yeah. a lot of money off the PJ Tour, more yeah. than anyone else. So, sure. I believe so. But he made more money through his endorsements than he ever made in prize money. Oh yeah. Definitely. So, I mean, you can, like, that's a great conversation about DJ. DJ, what did they give him? One hundred twenty-five, one hundred fifty. I think it was one hundred twenty-five million. One hundred twenty-five million contract. Yeah. And he's got something like eighty million in tour prize money. So in, in one contract, in one swoop of his pen, he made more money than he made for his entire golf career. How do, you, how do you get mad at that guy for that? You know, yeah. he's got kids, he's got a wife, he's, you know, he's got a plan ahead. You know, he, um, he's had some injuries over the last couple of years. His body isn't 100%. So, again, I, I think he's probably at the end of the middle of his career. I don't think he's waning yet. But I, I don't think he's on an ups, upswing anymore. So if that's your case, how do you? How, that's that's life changing money for his entire family. That's yeah, you know, and like I said, he has little ones at home, and you know, this is going to mean a lot more to him to spend more time with them one less day, have guaranteed money where you know he's. I'm gonna say he's still finished well in all these events, even in the open. Yeah. So he's. He's still working hard at it. It didn't make him a money grabber and do terrible. You yeah, he's know? not lazy. Yeah, he's not lazy. He's still putting in the work. So, you know, what, is, what does that take away from him? It just, it only benefits him to do that. Yeah, so you've got an environment that is, as far as the impression I get, is is entirely positive for the athletes that are in it versus an environment that feels like it doesn't care about you if you don't play to a certain level you get nothing so how do you convince a kid that is on the corn ferry struggling is taking out loans or finding investors or doing anything he can to find money how do you tell that kid that for the price of a ticket to europe he might be able to be a live player and you're going to be guaranteed if the minimums let's say the minimum's $150,000 there's eight events you know that's uh, what 3,002 events times four so that's 1.2 million in a year yo you're making a good living just to show up you don't have to win a single event you can be the worst player in all eight events and you're going to walk away with 1.2 million yeah I mean like I said these guys probably have contracts to, to actually play so you you can lose your contract, obviously, so you still got to put in the work. But, sure. but you know, that's very attractive for these younger and smaller players who are still very good at golf and can compete with these guys. Yeah. So, you know, a lot of these Corn Ferry good guys don't get credit for some of the golf that they play in. Yeah, I mean, we, we talk to relatively high-end golfers all the time. And, you know, like, you know, Corey's a great example comes out here and hits, uh, you know, a 72. He plays at a scratch level. Every now and then he's three under, four under after a round when he's playing really well. People look at him and go, why don't you try to make it on tour? I don't think they understand that a Corn Ferry guy that comes out here is going to shoot a 63 or a 64 most of the time. Yeah. That's not even a great round for him. That's just, that's his average. Versus, you know, Corey is feeling really good if he shoots a 60 out, 68 out here, which he's done. He's shot in the 60s multiple times out here. 
but that's the exception, not the rule. Versus your corn fairy guy or division one golfer might come out here and shoot a 66, 67 and feel like you played bad. Yeah. I mean, they say Tulare is not that tough of a course um, for these guys. I mean, yeah, it may beat a lot of people up, but you know, for those corn fairy guys, they, they'd probably tear it up here, you know, the separation between an app, like say an amateur and a and a pro is uh, still pretty large. Yeah, on the day in a day out type of golf. So. Right, and that's the thing is is a guy like a Josh Oliver can come out here and shoot a sixty three, and he's done it. Yep. Or sixty four. What was it? Was it sixty three? Uh, sixty four, like three or four. Yeah, because he ago. he was one stroke away from the the course, um, tying the course record. Yeah. It was sixty four. So he came out here and shot a sixty four, but just and you like you said a couple of months ago. Just the other day, he shot uh, like a 74 or 75. Yeah, he had a, a bad day. A, a bad day for him, right. So that's the difference. The Corn Fairy guy is going to shoot that 63 back-to-back. Or yes. 63, 64, back-to-back. That's not going to happen with a scratch golfer like a Josh or a Corey. They, they have yeah. the potential to shoot a 65. It's going to be one of their better rounds ever. But most likely the next day... They're going to come out and shoot a 72, 74, yeah. 75. Yeah, doing it day in and day out yeah. is the, the difference. Mm-hmm. And that's what so I think kind of rolls us all the way back to the open. That's what's so special about what Cameron did with that 64 in round two, 72 in round three, 64. You know, that's elite mental fortitude. Yes. That's, that's Especially recovering from a bad round, as he would describe it, as a, at shooting scratch. Yeah. Shooting the 72. Yeah. Very, you, me, very bad round. Yeah. You, me, we freaking, we'd be buying Andrews, beers for everybody. Yeah. St. Andrews. What, what were we going to score there? You know, yeah. they have pretty big fairways and pretty big greens. Like, <laughs> yeah. But that wind yeah. and everything else that those guys deal with. Oh, yeah. It's insane. So, you know, knowing that the best golfers that we see on a regular basis out here couldn't. Couldn't do Corn Ferry, couldn't do DP World Tour, couldn't do Live. So they're that good in our eyes. Mm-hmm. The kids that are going to Corn Ferry and shooting 64s and 65s back to back to back to back and not winning, not making any money, like the mental health of that athlete, the financial health of that athlete, I. I get that they want to be, I get that the PGA wants to be seen as the great, the best and greatest thing, but just like the NFL had to learn that the players are their product, just like the NBA had to learn that the players are the product. Well, college football. College oh, football's learning. That was, yeah, they, now they're paying players. Like They had to learn. Yeah. I mean. the if the if Again, we're going back to Kodak and IBM and the rest of the, the big companies that don't exist anymore or that are a shell of their former selves. The PGA doesn't learn that they have to take care of their players. And and, and they've made changes. They've made rule changes and, and purse changes. And they've made changes mm-hmm. to com- combat the live. But I, I feel like it's too little too late. And I also feel like the fact that they're continuing to be punitive against, like, oh, we're going to treat the guys that didn't go to leave, live better, but we're going to attack or be punitive towards the guys that did try out live. That's... That's, I don't think that's a recipe for yeah, success. Yeah, you know, that brings up another conversation of of how many of these companies are going to drop players based on their affili- affiliation with Liv as well. Like, I already seen DeChambeau got got dropped from Bridgestone. No, he did not. I didn't hear that, really. Yeah, yeah they they ended, on, uh, ended their terms, and I was like... He's one of the biggest, well, besides Tiger. I was going to say, yeah, Tiger's the number one, Dyson's, uh, Bryson's the number, number two. Number two, you know, and he's the distance guy. But I've, I've read that they ended his contract. Wow. So, and with, you say, Tyler being the number one and a huge proponent of the PGA is... Yeah, they're the official they partner. Gonna, yeah, they're the official partner. Like, are they going to start doing the same? Or is the PGA going to punch them as well? Okay, so if you're the if you're the PGA and you're following the pattern that you've you've shown all year, you're going to start putting pressure on all the golf ball companies, especially Titleist, yes. as your official partner, 
you're going to put pressure on them to drop anybody that plays Lib for sure. And did that happen to to Bridgestone? That's crazy. I wow, I didn't hear that at all. That's crazy. So you've got golfers that potentially are going to start looking for. Okay, so I'll relate it this way. You look at um, people that start looking for companies that will support you regardless of your personal perspective. So we see this with influencers on Twitter and YouTube that that say something wrong or get beat up for something Mm -hmm. and their partners start leaving them. So that YouTuber or that influencer starts doubling down and, and pushing harder for the companies that backed them up, right? So it doesn't matter who, um, you know, a lot of, a lot of companies are, are trying to cut their uh, losses with, with um, personalities that push the envelope. Yep. So now you look at Bryson in this example, pushing the envelope, going to live, trying to do something different. Apparently Bridgestone leaves them. Or Bridgestone doesn't renew the contract, possibly. Yeah. Maybe the contract was going to end, and they just say, yeah, we're not going to renew it. One, what does Bridge- Bridgestone do to replace that? Because as you said, he's their second biggest name. Yeah. And he would be the biggest name if when Tiger retired, if Tiger decides to retire, right? Bryson's mm-hmm. now your biggest name. At that point, if if you get rid of Bryson off your roster, Tiger retires, the only other name that I can think of is uh, Lexi, Lexi Thompson. Yeah, Who's, she's she's Bridgestone, I believe yeah. too. Yep, and, and she's a phenomenal uh, player. Matt plays Bridgestone. You're right, yeah. but Matt doesn't really. He's never been a big personality. Yeah, yeah. He's a consistent winner. The guy's made ton, tons of money, but he's a consistent winner by staying in the top twenty of the leader bracket. Right. Yep. He just oh, I'm 18th. I'm 15th. I'm 12th. I'm 18th. I'm, you know, so he's constantly pulling in a check, but he's not really lighting the world on fire. I know Bridgestone's a massive company, and I know that they've got the tires and everything else that they do, so they're not hurting for money or anything like that, but I feel like that's a sign that once Tiger retires, they're going to drop out of the golf ball business. Yeah, I mean, they have a very small share, I believe, you know? They're fourth or fifth. I can't remember which right now. Yeah, because, well, you got the three big three yeah. big titleists, TaylorMade and well, Callaway. Well, four big now. Strixon took a bite of, out of oh, Bridgestone. Yeah. Strixon took a bite out of Bridgestone. Out of Bridgestone. They probably hurt Bridgestone the most. With that diamond ball. Yep. So you've got Titleist in first, and then Callaway in second, depending on how TaylorMade's doing. Those guys go back and forth depending on the year. And then you have probably Strixon in four. Yeah. Um, so, and then the direct-to-consumer market's been blowing up. And this might be an opportunity for them to maybe advertise as a, the official ball of Okay, so take Snell for an example. Well, Direct yeah. consumer, Snell, uh, Dan or Don Snell, uh, used to work for Titleist, helped design the original Pro-V. Yeah. The Snell ball is a legit ball. Yep. It's It's been reviewed by millions of people. It's constantly been put on the top tier for a direct consumer ball. And it's a, cons- it's a direct competitor with all of the major balls, right? Yep. Why, I mean, why wouldn't you go, hey, anybody who gets dumped because they went live... You're a Snell player. We guarantee you. Yeah, yeah, Snell or uh, Vice, who makes a damn good Another ball. Another great example. And a yeah. lot of people play it. Yeah. yeah you know, uh, this is. An, I think it's an opportunity. That's a that's a huge opportunity. Just whether or not. I mean, again, if you're, if you're, in the golf industry. Last year, or the year before, your dream was to be on a PGA player's shirt or hat or bag, right? Mm -hmm. Are you, as a business, are you flexible enough or are you able to reposition yourself and go, live's the next big thing, I'm going to jump in now? You know, I was talking to my son. It'll probably take a few years for them to get to that point and prove the product is good. but Right, but the guy that jumps in now is ahead of the game. Oh, yeah. I was talking to my son a couple weeks ago. Um, I told him I just randomly bought into some bid- Bitcoin. He's like, dude, you're dumb. Like, Bitcoin's failing. Yeah, maybe. Or maybe it's just going to rebound. Who knows? I didn't risk anything I wasn't willing to lose. 
But in my head, I heard about Bitcoin 10 years ago or eight years ago, whatever it was, and I was always hesitant and I never jumped in. So in my head, I'm like, I already missed the boat. I don't want to miss the boat a second time. Yeah. So I'm going to risk whatever I can afford to risk. If I'm Snell or Vice or whoever. Yeah, say something that's a company that doesn't have anything to lose right now. Yeah. They only gain. Yeah, just, I mean, what do you, what do you financially, what are you giving up? You're, you Nothing. give him all the golf balls he wants, right? You're already making golf balls, so that's no problem there. Maybe you don't pay him unless he wins, or you pay him on a, a tiered scale, whichever golfer, not just Bryson. Pay him on a tiered scale. Um, so if you take 10th, you get X dollars. You take 9th, you get X dollars, right? So you only pay for the representation you get. A guy like Bryson's all over social. He's got a YouTube channel. He's pretty big on Instagram and the rest of the stuff. Mm-hmm. So you've got built-in marketing right there. Um, he's he's definitely a lightning rod. People talk about him either good or bad. Yeah, good or bad. The same thing with Kefka and the Live Tour or whatever you want to say. Good and bad. There's good and bad yeah. to every side of, of everything. That's super interesting. I wonder, just equipment in general, forget balls, equipment in general. If you're new level golf, Sub-70, Tacoma, any of these up-and-coming direct-to-consumer clubs, even an old-school club like a Ben Hogan. like Well, Ben Hogan went out of business. Did you read that? They're closing their doors. Again? Again, yeah. I read that yesterday. That's fourth or fifth uh, closure? They tried the direct-to-consumer market, and I don't think it was working out for them. So No, it's tough. But, you know, there's a few companies out there that are making a push, and I guess if you search golf, at all, you'll get the Facebook advertisements for these smaller companies. So yeah, the sub seventies, the the new level. Obviously, that? Bryson Haywood Golf. Haywood, yeah. yeah. Obviously, Bryson's not going to be involved in any of that because Cobra hasn't yeah. left him, and Cobra is or Bryson is so unique and specific with his equipment. Not everybody can service Bryson. They just don't uh, have the technology to do it. But you take a a Kepka, who obviously I know he just signed with Strixon, and he's probably good. I love Strixon. They make great clubs. Uh, they make great. They make a phenomenal ball. Um, I understand why Brooks went that direction, but you take another golfer like one of the Corn Fairy guys we were just envisioning. He goes over to live, or what? Uh, Chase Chase Kepka, Brooks' brother. Yeah, his brother Chase. Chase, you know, decides that he's gonna not be on Brooks' bag anymore. He's gonna go play because he did okay at the live event, the London London event. You know. He obviously has an immediate end with Strixon where he's got kind of the family hookup. But a, a company like New Level or, you know, Sub-70 comes out and says, hey, we'll outfit your entire bag. You know, we'll do everything for you. Here's here's the caveats. Go for it. And we'll pay you X dollars. I mean, why wouldn't you? You know what I mean? Like, that guy, Chase, has no... I was starting to say no hope of ever being a PGA player, but that's probably unfair. It's unlikely that he'll ever be a PGA player, right? Yeah. Again, he's probably got the hookups with Strixon through Brooks, but if he wants to be his own person, he doesn't want to be on Brooks' bag anymore, he wants to go make a career, why wouldn't you accept anybody who's feeding you, right? Yeah, and then, like I said, it's good advertisement for, for Strixon. Then. You know, the more, like, they pushed Cameron Champ hard when he came out, you know, they put... Mm-hmm. Like a lot of people, more people learned his name because just of the Strixon name. Yep. You know, he played he played their ball and Strixon pushed it. And he's long, and crazy long. Yes, yeah, so, so they use that to their advantage. Yeah. You know, they use like like that's how what Bridgestone used uh, Bryson, you know, mm-hmm. crazy long. So we've got McDowell, Lowry, Kepka, a couple other guys that are Strixon players. Yeah, all play live now. So, I, I, it makes me wonder, the, the question you're asking is, is actually, it's a great thought exercise. Like, as a business, if the PGA comes to you and says, I know you've got five or six players on live that you're supporting, uh, you need to dump them. Otherwise, you're not going to be featured on any PGA events. 
a company like Strixon being a little bit smaller and needing all that marketing help they can get, which is ridiculous because they're such a top-tier equipment company. They should be looked at on par with every other golf company out there. Like they, The irons they build are so nice, so smooth, so easy to hit. Woods are great. Ball is great. The Cleveland wedges are phenomenal. Like they are a, a top tier company across the board. Yeah, um, I'm not a fan of their Cleveland putters, but aside from that, if you need a value putter, it's a great option. I say it's it's. I think it's the best for the price. Yes, so it's, it'll be the best yeah. for the price. It's not a four hundred dollar putter. It's a hundred, hundred and fifty, two hundred dollar putter. Mm-hmm. But for that price, it's hard to find anything better. Yeah. Uh, but you know, we both play higher end putters because. Well, one, we can. It's nice to yeah. be in the industry. But two, we get to test all these things, and, and there is a literal difference yeah. between a front line and a Betonardi or a front line and a Mizuno or a Toulon. Like, there, there's a obvious difference. Yeah. Um, but comparing a Mizuno iron and a Strixon iron and a Titleist iron, there's not an obvious difference. Now it becomes preference. So you look at a company like that that maybe doesn't have the market share, probably deserves a bigger market share, but they're not big enough to really push back against the PGA. As a business, do you go, sorry guys, can't help you? Or in my opinion, the right thing would be like, hey, you don't tell us what to do. Yeah, I, I think it, you know they need to hold their identity and support the players that they chose to support and you know maybe make a push push for it or just stay neutral you know i guess if you don't cut anybody or you know push pga or push live stay neutral in there until something happens yeah (laughs) i mean i don't know if pga would accept that response though if your response is hey you do you will do us like mea copa mea copa yeah they don't have any contracts with them right So. so does the pga let that go i mean that's a separate conversation like we started with titleist being a brand partner with the pga PJ has leverage. Like, hey, you know, we post on our leaderboard on PGA.com, we put Titleist Pro V next to every single player playing a Pro V. Yeah, that's that's kind of, I think that's kind of annoying too because, you know, you're looking at that, you're like, oh, they play this, they play this. But when you want to look at somebody's bag, what they're actually playing and stuff like that, no, none of the other country companies get uh, love. Right. From the PGA, besides right. Titleist. And I don't know if Titleist pays for that. Uh, I, mean, I assume they do, obviously, but I don't know that Titleist uh, initiated that.
This has been another episode of the Mashy Nibbler, presented by Tulare Golf Course. If you'd like to be part of the conversation, visit us at the Tulare Golf Course, tularegolf.com, or find us on Facebook. We'd love to hear your opinion on things we've talked about, or you can let us know what our next topic should be.